Welcome to Therapist Uncensored, a podcast where therapists freely speak their minds about real life matters. Welcome to Therapist Uncensored. I'm Ann Kelly. And I'm Sue Marriott. And it's really great to be sitting back with just the two of us because this is a format where we go back and forth, where we bring in amazing and awesome and incredible guests, but also sometimes we talk among ourselves to sort of pull apart the ideas of interpersonal neurobiology and attachment and relationships and really try to delve into what makes for healthy connections with yourself and those close to you. Right. And and because we both have such a passion for this, that's kind of the, the core of bringing us to this podcast. So it's kind of fun just to be back here in the studio with just you. That's exactly right. So what we decided to do is we want to go back and do a real, here's the basics. For those of you who are new to the podcast or who would like to be reminded, we're going to really delve into one particular topic today in order to both refresh people's minds, but also to go deeper than what we have before. This topic in particular is dismissive attachment. So we've talked off and on in different podcasts about attachment, and we've referenced dismissive attachment, secure attachment, anxious preoccupied attachment, and we've even done one on disorganized, but we've not done an entire podcast on the particular subtype. So we decided that it might be really helpful just so that you can drop down and get really well informed about a particular one. So for those of you that relate more, we've talked before again about the spectrum of attachment. So this is a reminder for frequent listeners, but for new listeners, the idea is very simple that if you think of a spectrum and on the left side is blue, on the middle is green, and on the right is red, and the blue corresponds to cooling off, deactivation, zipping up, being super independent. <laughs> for, so for those of you like me, I'm in recovery from that particular side that relate more to that. This is for you, but also many of you have relationships with people that tend to be super independent. They look like there's nothing wrong. They look like they don't need anything, but we have some news for you. <laughs> so that's what this is for. And going back to the spectrum, the middle is green, which is a really nice integrated balance. And then the right side is red, which is the more preoccupied anxious attachment status. And we will do that on another podcast. Stay tuned next week, I think, for that one. That's right. So how do you want to start? Well, maybe we should start for brand new listeners about just a very, very brief summary of what do we mean about attachment? We're talking about green, we're talking about blue, but what we're talking about is internal working models or categories of attachment. And let's start by talking about how does this originate? How do we sort of form our internal working models? Also, by the way, you guys, we are about to launch finally our video and it's gonna go into this in more detail. So you'll find that in our show notes. But the brief version is that we're born with, basically we're born with our midbrain only and we are dependent on our bigger, wiser others. Generally, it's moms, dads. Most often, yeah, so there's a primary person that their brain manages our tiny little brain as it develops. And if all goes well, and our parents' brain was also managed when they were little bitty, and we can run it up the line, then without even thinking about it, everything goes well, and we develop a really healthy, balanced attachment system. 
Right. And that's what we call secure attachment. And it's, and it's because we are completely 100% dependent on survival on this primary person. So we learn how to communicate. They learn how to communicate to us to make it work. And when it's we're in a dance, it's a dance. And when we're in sync, it goes really well. And the outcome of that is how we see the world and ourselves in the world. And so the relationship, that first primary relationship that we have actually sets a blueprint, if you will, for our future relationships and how we expect to be taken care of, whether others can take care of us, whether we can take care of ourselves. And it really literally is a blueprint so that we begin to have these lenses on. And if we have had to adapt because we didn't have consistent accurate attunement and there are some key factors things like protection and attunement and soothing and people being delighted to have us (laughs) as children and folks that are also able to help us develop ourselves and not just make us develop in their image that's what security looks like but when any of that is off for any reason whether it be stress or depression or their own attachment histories then we have to figure out how to stay safe. So this, from an organized system, you're either secure or you end up universally kind of going into two sides. You either go into the blue, what we're calling the blue side, which is where we are more avoidant of relationships and we think more than we feel. We're less focused on relationships and we're more focused on ourselves. That's a, that's a rough way to say it. Well, and let's talk about how we get that way. So as infants, we're going to be talking quite a bit about elements that have been shown in research. So as infants, what we anticipate and what we really need is to feel when we are distressed and in need that the person that primarily is taking care of us can handle that, is in tune to us and wants to take care of us. But like you said, Sue, for all sorts of reasons, sometimes that doesn't happen. And because we may as parents have depression We may as parents have a history of not being nurtured ourselves. And so, for instance, not being comfortable with negative emotions. That's a big impact from a parent to an infant. When the infant cries, if the parent can't attune to that and and feel safe in that and gets completely wigged out themselves, that's going to send a message to the infant that their negative emotions is completely overwhelmed. I really am glad you're kind of already... uh pinpointing that because for on the blue side, on the dismissive side, frequently, according to the research, there's often histories of rejection, particularly related to negative emotions. And it's interesting because there's like this uh, selective sensitivity of the parents. So if you're playing and you're happy, then you're connected. If you are exploring and exploring the world, that's good. But if you are needy, dependent, <laughs> snotty, um, <laughs> kind of sound mad, like a, like an angry, right. Some of the healthy, normal ex, uh, experiences because the, our parents may have had to shut that down in themselves that they aren't as good at, as a matter of fact, they're particularly bad at responding to the, that. If you think of emotions as a keyboard, it's like those deeper, darker notes push the parent away. And we learn that really quickly. And so we learn to bypass those feelings. Yeah, we learned that to have those being that snotty crying kid. <laughs> hey, it, by the way, we're pro snot. <laughs> may actually deactivate your parent from being there. And, and infants are just so sensitive and aware. And they develop a process of going, wait, that pushes my mom, my caregiver away. So what you're saying, you know, when we use the word deactivated, being distressed 
is not something that gets rewarded. In fact, it's not your, a good idea. Yeah. Get, shut, shut your parent down. You really learn that's not really a great idea for your survival. So you actually start developing the processes in your own brain that says intense emotions. Don't need. <laughs> don't intense emotions are not safe. Needing and being dependent is not a good idea because this person goes away from me. And if I'm more secure, if I'm out playing, look how rewarded I get. That's right. And you know, what the tricky part of this is any of you that are listening that kind of lean towards blue <laughs> won't necessarily immediately identify with what we're talking about. And what's so interesting about this is because that this works so effectively that when we're on the blue side, we really don't know that we're missing anything. We think everything's okay. So you're just going to have to trust us that if you're getting hassled in your relationships or if you're more isolated or more alone, this is a really great thing to explore. The research says that there's high maternal rejection, uh, particularly of negative affect. Cuddling is rare. Are you talking about between the infant and the mother that helps develop this? Yes, thank you. Yes, definitely. And as a matter of fact, that if we are more needy, like you're saying, Anne, that we get pushed away rather than held and comforted. So we end up bypassing that. And most people can identify if you're on the blue side, you know, the John Wayne figure, you really highly value independence. You're zipped up. You keep things to yourself. And it feels pretty good with some big asterisks and exceptions. That's the image in general that we're talking about. And we want to help you understand sort of what's wrong with that, if that makes sense. Right. And what you're saying, Sue, makes so much sense that it can come across as, in fact, individuals that tend to lean on the dismissive side come across as super confident in themselves. And one of the ways, so how would you know? Because a secure person can come across as super confident. So what's the difference in those two? And I'd say one of the the confidence is that you feel that you've got a lot of security in the world and you can't understand why everybody else seems a little clingy and dependent. And, and a really good what is sign. wrong with those people? <laughs> and a really good sign that you or someone you love might fall in more of a dismissive blue side. Blue yeah. side, a blue side, is that think about the idea of asking for help emotionally. Is that something that just kind of... Why did I just shudder? (laughs) (laughs) Just kind of scares the hell out of you? Or you kind of see it as unnecessary. So, And if you can think about it in our culture, we can get a lot of positives about being independent and not needing somebody and not being, you know, vulnerable. But the, the idea of being able to be connected to your own vulnerability and it being safe to be with somebody in it rather than... And one of the ways to tell is what happens when you get really distressed? A secure individual is more likely to turn towards another human, towards a relationship to help you soothe. Somebody in the blue might be more likely on a regular basis to turn out, to do activities, to move away from relationships. To smoke, to eat. There's a lot of externalizing and sort of more acting out in order to regulate. Right, right. Even biking and excess, excessive exercising. Alone. Alone. <laughs> right. <laughs> not that that's not good, but it's, it's actually when you're upset, do you lean out and you do these activities? And that can be a good way to handle being upset, but it's also a way to bypass needing a relationship. So now you come back and you're completely zipped up. I don't need you. I don't need you. I've got it. I've taken care of myself. That's right. And some of the research talks about in particular, kids that have parents that lean towards blue end up 
literally physically their facial expressions are inhibited. So they're less emotionally expressive than even other kids in insecure categories, like kids with parents that are disorganized or kids that are with parents that are preoccupied are more visually transparent. They show what they're feeling. But in particular, on the blue side, on the dismissive side, we learn to zip up and kind of shut down visually as a here's the coolest part of this whole thing is that what it looks like is either, oh, those are really good kids. They never cry. That's that's a misnomer. Or it also looks like, oh, that child has shut down their need for people. So as mom leaves, they're going to play their xylophone. As mom comes back, they're going to still play their xylophone and they don't need anything. But that's actually really wrong. That what the research shows is that those kids need connection. So I will say those of us who lean blue need connection just like anybody else. And But what we'll do is we'll back into it. When you really closely observe infants or toddlers, that have parents that have had to shut down themselves. What you see is they don't directly approach the parents, but what they'll do is they will have their back to the parent, but also still maintain some closeness. And they figure out how close to get before the parent pushes away. So there still is proximity seeking. There still is a desire to be close to the parent, but they've learned to kind of hide it in order to maintain closeness. So I think that's actually really cool. So it shows that even though we're zipped up, it's not that we don't need people, it's that we've learned that by being zipped up, it's the way that we can get close to people. Yeah, that's exactly how it comes across as as you develop as a child. And then oftentimes somebody that has full blown and developed in a more internal working model that's solidly blue, you might not even recognize that you're distressed, that it does become difficult it's not even that, oh, I'm distressed, but I can't show it. There is an overemphasis on, like you were saying earlier, on the intellect and the high avoidance of the negative. So you see an intellectual functioning and any activity that you can do to basically disconnect from the more feeling state that might come with that, including what you see in couples is somebody who wants to avoid their partner when their partner is negative and have a high emphasis on maintaining their happiness. And so oftentimes you'll hear, I can never make you happy. As right. if, if you were happy, we would be fine. Yes. <laughs> if you would just be happy, we would be fine. No matter what I do, you're always unhappy. With the emphasis on doing. That's right. And there's also, and why we're spelling this out is because we really want to get to what to do about it. So if we see relationships as less as important and we see ourselves managing ourselves as more important, then where we want to swim, what we call it sort of swim towards the green and we want to begin to move towards the green looks like that we need to be a little bit more curious about how we're doing in the world with our people around us. So if you have someone who's complaining that you're not open you might listen a little more closely and you might like, we want to increase your curiosity about your own personal attachment history, your current relationships. We want to move you into a more of an interpersonal realm. Like we know you're independent. We know you can take care of yourself. That's awesome. And that's great. But what's missing a little bit is your ability to need other people and to be connected to other people. And that ability to need and be connected is essential 
because that's what makes us feel valuable in a relationship. And so if you're the one always doing the caretaking and can't tolerate being caretaken, that's a real sign that you probably are falling on the blue side. And, and you don't want to respond to something that you just said. Are you going to say it's awesome? It's Whatever awesome. I said. You were so <laughs> articulate and brilliant as usual. We are trying to encourage what to do about it, but I'm going to throw a little caveat in okay, that. Okay, challenge, challenge me. Do me. it. And Go that, for it. And that is... What's going to make it difficult for you to possibly listen to what we're saying? <laughs> and that if is, you're eye rolling right now, yes, I think you're a little blue. <laughs> if you're eye rolling, turn it off. And because of your reliance on logic, and you, you do know you need people. I mean, but what we end up uh, on the blue side overemphasizing is a, a little bit of morality and doing the right thing and integrity. And because of that. It's a high likelihood you can fall in defensiveness. So when your partner, whether your partner is secure or starts to say, you let me down, you didn't do this, you need to do this, you need to look at yourself, your instinct might be to defend yourself, to stop and protect, because it's a threat to you to be questioned and to think something's wrong with you. And so while we're saying, hey, if you're getting these signs from your partner, listen, it also might be challenging for you to listen, because in order to do that, you have to accept that you have vulnerabilities and you have to accept that you have insecurities. And for someone to mention that you have some insecurities, that might be a little threatening. It might be actually really threatening exactly. because that one of the ways we've been able to be safe in the world is by going around that. You know, how we talk about it is that on the blue side, we're more intellectually oriented and it's more cognitive or more thinking. And then on the red side, it's more feeling with less thinking. So sometimes it looks pretty uh, wild. But where we want to, again, move towards is an integration. So if you're a little too intellectual and rational, if anybody's ever called you Spock, <laughs> then uh, again, that's a clue. And what we want to move towards is get you interested in feelings and non-rational fantasies, experiences in your body and what's happening in your body. We want to get you more connected. Like in The Wizard of Oz, you would be the tin man <laughs> who's looking for his heart. And we want to get you more connected and open in your heart and in your needs. And again, what Anne's saying is that you might be reactive to this or try to, again, dismiss it and say that it's not important or move away from it in some way. Just say like, yep, got that, done that, you know, had a happy childhood. I'm finished with that. Like those are all ways to deactivate curiosity and openness and connection, but we don't know it when we're in it. Right. We don't know that we don't find the curiosity or the self-curiosity is a little bit threatening. That's right. So look for dependency. It actually ends up, and again, first person experience, <laughs> I'm definitely the caregiver, which is a weird way of being a little pushing away of relationships. But when we can relax our little rear ends and let people bring us things and take care of us and attend and attune to us, it ends up feeling pretty good. So this isn't bad news for you guys over on the blue side. It's actually good news if we can help you with it. The downside is we don't go from blue to green. In other words, we don't go from dismissiveness to security because we don't have practice in that of the balance. What often will happen if we begin to activate our attachment, because see, our attachment system has been deactivated. So let's say what we mean by that. The, the attachment system being deactivated, what we mean is that the idea of needing a relationship in an interdependent way has become too threatening so that you become more of an, uh, a singular system. 
and that you can self-survive. It's like, I got it. I can take care of myself. If that's your biggest goal, in fact, the, the biggest fear of a, a dismissive personality is the loss of self. And so to fear the loss of self, to become interdependent could create a, an anxiety in you because that would mean that you couldn't just rely on yourself. You would actually need others. And that can be very scary. I was thinking of Fonzie. <laughs> it ages us. Yes, any we of you, did just age Any us. of you who know that reference, then, you know, I'm fist bumping you right now. But right. So it's the leather jacket. It's right. the I'm good on my own. It's the island. So you were saying that you in kind of deciding, hey, maybe I want to really work on not staying over there in the blue side, which what you're saying is we need to activate our needs and activate our desire for interrelationship that what that may end up inducing in you is like, oh my God, I do have needs. And if you start opening that up, you might experience a little vulnerability in tapping into that. She's too nice, isn't okay, she? Okay, say it the way you want. <laughs> so, if you already are over in the blue, this is, I think, how it sounds. Okay, go You're for it. You're very sweet, but I think it sounds like wait, hold on. It's like, you're like, oh, you might feel a little vulnerability. I think that instead of feeling vulnerability, it's like, well, that's ridiculous. You know, like the, the first thing that gets activated is a avoidance or a push away of sure the whole conversation the whole idea is of stupid. Need. That's yes. right. And um, look at those needy people. And I, you know, with people that I work with, you know, we call it the V word <laughs> vulnerability. <laughs> and it's like, we, we all shudder. It's like, Oh, blah. It sounds <laughs> awful. <laughs> and, I, and, and often the reason that someone comes to us in that case is because their partner or somebody they love is saying, you're going to have to activate that feeling part of you. So you have that extra resistance That's in eye right. roll. <laughs> so I'm, I'm teasing you about being too nice, but it's, it's partly like our egg has to be cracked. Yeah. And the, that because it's only through really feeling some distress that we want to work on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I promise you that the world is actually more colorful and safe and holding what I think what I was saying though was and I appreciate you making me make it more clear as far as the deactivation part but when we've bypassed our needs right that we've got to go back and get our needs but then they're going to feel like a tsunami (laughs) a little flooded right which is why we dismiss them to begin with which is why we're Mm -hmm. like that is so stupid what you know needy gross blah the truth is that if we can get ourselves if we can wade in and begin to get a little not know everything a little uh, feel our dependency, feel our need for other people, and tolerate it. Tolerate that we're not confident in everything, which keeps us blocked from our vulnerability. Exactly. So it typically will go from blue to red to green. We don't go from blue to green typically. So those of you that, again, are identifying with any of this or that you're in a relationship or have a child or a parent or whoever that you're seeing them in this part of why it's so threatening to move is because we don't have the practice inside our bodies of regulating emotion and our little amygdala will freak out. <laughs> you don't even have the practice of feeling them. So yes, that's right. That's right. So it's, that's why we it's think of it feeling. as bad. And that's also why then we're rejecting when people are needy. We end up repeating the same pattern because we've had to bypass it in ourselves. Which is one reason why when you said earlier that you're going to eye roll, it's one reason for the eye roll or the criticalness of individuals. You might experience the eye roll because it's bringing up either you're seeing vulnerability in other people and oh my God, why are you doing that? Or it's activating something in you. And so that eye roll is to go, why do we need to do this? So it's a dismissive 
reaction to the other person, but it's in order to avoid whatever feeling is actually coming up in you. That's right. If you're actually in the green and somebody's trying to approach you interpersonally, it's less threatening. And so if you're in a relationship with someone that is blue, you often will feel just like Anne saying that you might get the eye roll or you might feel silly or stupid for your emotional needs, but I want to tell you you're not. And the person who you're trying to reach needs you to keep trying and maybe to learn the art of seduction. You don't want to yell at them like, come to dinner. You know what I mean? <laughs> because that's jarring because they're in a, what we call an auto-regulatory state, which basically means they're taking care of themselves. They're not in an interpersonal state. And all of a sudden they're poked, you know what I mean? And it, it's very aversive. So instead, it's like you want to maybe walk into the room and touch them and be sweet. Like, uh, Can dinner, I talk to you? Yeah, dinner's going to be ready soon. Mm -hmm. When do you think you'll be ready to wrap up on that computer there? <laughs> you learn the art of seduction. You don't give up, but you also don't know that normal interpersonal relating might feel like an invasion. That's so important. And to know, to recognize that that feeling of invasion isn't about you, isn't about you being too much, because it's really easy, especially if you're in a romantic relationship with somebody that's being dismissive towards you, to think that you aren't worthy, or that they don't want you, rather than recognizing that their system, I love how you just put it, Sue, is so auto-regulated, so independent, that somebody coming into that system actually throws the system off, so it may engage in a negative get away from me, because their whole system just got overwhelmed. Yeah, that's kind of jarring. And mm -hmm. what health looks like, and what the green looks like. and The secure. Could, that's right. We want to keep always moving towards that. That's what this whole point is, is that you're able to be alone and independent perfectly well, but you're also able to flexibly roll into an inter, more of an interpersonal connected realm. And then when that, you know, when there's a parting or a separation, you're then back to being okay in, in, a, in an independent way. And so that's what it looks like. In particular, one of the signs, like this is what to do. If you find yourself in the blue, one of the things that you may tend to do is have an idealization of your history, an idealization of yourself, an idealization of relationships. It's a way of pushing them away. It looks like idealization, but that's a little distancing. So if you say, if you think to yourself like, what? I had a happy childhood. Mom stayed at home. She was great. I was fed, clothed, watered. <laughs> Right, and you might What's even the have problem. Right, you might even have memories of these positive interactions because we're not saying that you became the blue because you had this horrible negative negative mother at all. But what you're saying is, is you're going to remember more of the positive and not really activate the the part that the distressing part has been cut off. And so that gets to the sort of the next important point, which is we want to, if you're over there and you're wondering, okay, okay, I'm over there. What do I do? Then the next thing is we want you to get more curious and interested in relationships. Let yourself move towards a little more dependency. We need to activate your attachment system. And believe me, what that looks like is you like suddenly need to talk to somebody <laughs> or you are like, a little insecure when they don't call you back or you text them and they don't text you back and you start getting a little, what's the word, preoccupied. Like things begin to matter in this way that might feel really weird. Like you'll go from feeling overly secure, which really means disconnected, to insecure, but that's good because it means now you're doing the normal attachment behavior, which is you're looking for contact with people. You're seeking, what they, they call it seeking contact, which just means we want to hear from people and we want to know they're still there for us. 
Right. And so what you're doing is you can recognize that you're attuned to the outside world and you're wondering about the relationship and thinking about how they relate to you. That's right. And that is very cool. And we want to give you lots of kudos for that. And that's where that's the direction we're going in. And then the other thing is, I, I want you to look for people and notice, because this is something we're really bad at, is because of the flatness. Remember, we talked about the facial flatness of the, these kids, they have to learn to almost have a mask on where they're not showing something. But then what we're doing as we grow up is we're robbing people of knowing that we love them and that we want to be with them. And it's only because that was how we were treated or that's at least how we experienced the world. So I'm saying a lot here, but what I mean is we want to gravitate towards people that we feel like are happy to see us. And if you're in a relationship with someone that leans towards blue or is a little bit more dismissive in their orientation, then I promise you, you want to have like emoticons. Always imagine emoticons all around my head that are super happy faces and like, I'm so glad you're home. Like the default system inside somebody that's on the blue side is that they're not wanted. And so the antidote to that is to be so clear that you want them. You're talking about as if you love somebody or with somebody that falls on the blue, that to really emphasize the, the sense of delight when you see them, which may be hard to do. Right, because, because we, they're not giving you that. Right, we tend to match. We tend to match our partners. We do, our mirror neurons tend to match. And somebody who really falls on the blue, the left of the continuum, might be a lot more flat-faced, not responsive. They come in, and in that transition, they're actually not ready to actually see you. And so... It's so easy, especially being with somebody for a while to then match them and to go flat face and to not be very responsive. So I love what you're saying. Instead, push in and go, I'm so happy to see you. That's right. Show delight. Give them the kiss. Give them the hug. Because if we don't watch it, what we unintentionally do is we deactivate people around us. Exactly. And then we end up in these parallel systems, which is more comfortable for that person. And it's more comfortable for the person who keeps getting rejected and their happiness. So again, if you're the one that's on the blue side, you want to really work on your expressiveness. Here's a little trick. Imagine whoever it is that you think of that you need, whoever that is, that is most important to you. This is going to sound kind of morbid, but imagine they get hit by a bus. <laughs> and the reason I'm asking you to do that is because like if they suddenly were not in your life anymore, that's, that's a way to feel like, whoa, that would kind of suck. We aren't typically in touch with our need, but if we can wipe them out suddenly and we can feel a clutch in our stomach, like, uh, no, I wouldn't favor that. <laughs> okay, there it is. That's the need that we want to really, it's like a little kindling of fire that we want to grow. Right. So you're connected to your desire yes, and your wanting exactly. and your need for that person. That's right. And sometimes we have to, maybe not a bus, that might be a little dramatic. <laughs> but about you, an 18 wheeler. You want, <laughs> but you want to imagine the loss of them to be able to activate that part of you. Because one of the signs of, of dismissiveness is you're actually overly confident. That's you, so true. Overly confident that people around you are there. But when you're not tending to the relationship, we really need that to maintain it. And if you are drawing out more dismissiveness around you, you might not even recognize that. Well, here's what happens is you don't recognize their need right. and their frustration because then we end up kind of reenacting our early experience. So 
And couples, don't you see, and sometimes couples will come in and one person is baffled. That, that's a word to me that's a signal. It's like, right. how can you be baffled? You've been with this person for five years and you're surprised that they're this unhappy, right? Mm-hmm. That's a sign that there's been this sort of push away versus this attunement and like, oh, where are you? You know, like I see mm-hmm. that you've withdrawn a little bit. But if, especially after you've been in couples for a long time and if you're still baffled about what it is that your partner wants, that's a sign that you have pushed away their needs and your needs in order to, for you to feel okay. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And it's so interesting because oftentimes the baffling could be the person that's with the, the dismissive individual because a dismissive individual often doesn't feel as much complaint about their relationship than a secure or a... That's right, a, they're fine. Yeah. They're like, they're, they don't feel as right. much complaint. They go along, they're fine, they're fine. But it's interesting, don't assume that it's fine because what'll happen is once they actually get in tuned to the fact that they're unhappy, they're a lot more ready to go because they're further down the line in their unhappiness. They hold it and hold it. They don't really recognize their distress. They don't really recognize that they're not present and they're not getting, and so they get further and further out. So a, a, a blue individual needs to be tapped and brought back in and tapped. Don't assume because they're so comfortable being out on their own that, well, that's how they like it. They might like it, but it's not the best for them. That's right. So bugging them and drawing them in and dragging them into couples therapy is a good is, thing. Is actually, it's not selfish. It's actually, no. it's good for both of you because you need delight when you come home too. And you need happiness to be there and you need them to need you in the same way. So this is a good thing for both of you. And if it works and that you can get that person more engaged and help them understand that you really need something that's legitimate. It's really legitimate. And it's legitimate for both of you. Yes, the thing absolutely. that's beautiful is when you can, when you find somebody that's lived so long in the blue, they don't know how to tap into their own feelings, their own experience, their own needs. And it's such, so rewarding to feel people and help people sort of shift out of that and start to feel their needs that they need you just as much as you need them. Oh, that's right. That is exactly right. And what you can do for them is help them figure that out. <laughs> So I hope that that gives you some ideas about what it looks like and what you can do about it. I know it's a short summary and we're going to have different ways to expand this and to go into it more fully, but at least we wanted to for sure give you a much deeper sense of what this looks like. And this is not just our good ideas. This is really research-based. It's very, very solid science. And that's important for those of you on the blue side to know, because you have to intellectually understand what the heck, that this is actually important. (laughs) (laughs) And it has some fact. It has fact about it. And so next episode, we are going to end up talking about the other side of the continuum to give you a better idea of what a preoccupied attachment style looks like, how it develops and how it manifests in the adult world as well. That's right. So thank you so much for listening. We are super happy to have you. And we have been getting the most awesome notes from some of our listeners talking about how this podcast has affected them and how it's helped them. And we are so incredibly grateful. And it's why we do what we do. And it's why we're in debt doing this podcast. Uh, It's a labor of love. So thank you so much. We would really love to continue to hear from you. Please rate and review us on your podcast player. Make sure you're subscribed and stay tuned because there's much more to come. Take care. See you around the bend. Therapist Uncensored is Ann Kelly and Sue Marriott. This podcast is edited by Jack Anderson.